When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. back everybody to another episode of bub in the bloom episode 27 we are not live in arizona unfortunately this week that was a fun fun time and again we'll hopefully do that next year but um all the good stuff coming at you as we continue our review of the positions catcher and close we'll see and see action for you on a thursday night friday morning listening pleasures you can find myself on twitter at bd entrick and my co-host is always on twitter at ryan bhq ryan bloomfield how we doing my friend we're doing good. We're we're recovery week is recovery week is almost over. Recovery week's tough after mm-hmm. first pitch, but uh but making it through. How's your how's your recovery week going? I don't want to sound bad because you had a heck of a day on Sunday compared to me, but let's just say I've taken a nap, I think, every day this week, which is not uh, normal for me. I don't want and, to hear that, man. Yeah, because my work is slow. So I I work in the morning, I come home and I just like it's been zonked out time, but um we're good. We're good. I know you had you had the rough go. That's why I really didn't want to say too much. I had the rough go. We got up at so we both had I had a five a.m. flight out of Phoenix Sunday morning. You had a six a.m. So we both left at I don't know left the hotel at like three a couple hours <laughs> after the live sleeper in the bus pod. So that the that was rough. The, the legendary, legendary <laughs> sleeper in the bus pod. I did put it out at um, for anyone who was not there. At, at first pitch, I did put a tweet out from the HQ account that kind of linked the five different podcasts that were live. And so you can kind of check that out if, if you want to get a taste of, of what we missed. But uh, yeah, legendary performance by Spore, Justin, Eno, and uh, and Colette. But yeah, like three hours after that, we were headed to the airport and then uh, <laughs> we got all the way to the security line and I left my <laughs> left my backpack in the car. So I had to go all the way back to parking, made the flight. But that was, yeah, that was the start of recovery week. Landed like seven and then had both my kids all day Sunday. So it was Sunday glorious. was rough. But uh, it was glorious. I, I took a picture, but I didn't send it to you. Um, they announced it after you guys took off that my flight was less than half full. And so I got on, I got the extra rooms or leg space on the, um, the, the exits and no one in my row. I was asleep before they finished giving the instructions on how to uh, water landing, basically. And I woke up when we landed. I was out cold in that plane with legs fully extended, happy as can be. I, I, I was probably snoring up a storm. I feel bad for anybody on that plane. 
Yeah. Again, again, I'm I'm happy for you. Sound like a very, very well. You know, any any golf this week, Bubba, or just or just sleep? No, sleep just, and uh, uh, spending, catching up with the little one. That's been fun. Uh, I think she yeah. probably gave me what she has again because this right now my nose is plugged up again. So I was feeling really healthy for a while there, but you know how it goes. They're always sick as you're dealing with in your place. It's uh it's so much fun. But let's talk F Only people care about you know my comfort and our kids. But um, F what a weekend. We always say it and lived up to the hype. I think yet again, probably surpassed the hype. Uh, met more new people, met many old friends. It's just one of those deals that um, it sounds cheesy, but like all week I'm sitting there going, man, can we do this again a lot sooner than like next November? Because it was like an absolute blast hanging out with everybody. We got great barbecue, which was uh, lived up to the hype from what everybody talks about. Oh, we, yeah. It was just a, an amazing like four days or whatever in the desert that needs to happen much more often. Yeah, from the from the barbecue, the 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 lucky round, the lucky round of golf on. on, on I wasn't going to bring it up, Ryan. I wasn't even going to bring it up in the in the in the literal like monsoon on Thursday. That yep. I could not have picked a worse day for golf, but whatever. Golf golf outing worked out fantastically. We had eight of us Thursday at noon to kick things off. Went right to the welcome reception. After that, and yeah, I don't know. It does sound cheesy, but seeing. Meeting new people, I met, hung out a bunch with Joe Orico, like who this was his first time, for example, coming down uh, to Arizona, seeing Will Garofalo. Again, Dude, I'm just kind of pulling random names. I, I had not seen Will. He used to go to first pitch with his dad, um, and his dad came back as well. And they, I, I think it had been five or six years. And so I had not seen Will in a long, long time. So it was awesome to catch up with him obviously when we hung out pretty much all weekend yep. together and uh i don't know man it was uh it does seem to get better every year like it's just uh it's it's euphoria and then just like i don't know i said said to you like the, the kind of the pinch me moment when we were able to do mm-hmm. do a live podcast like that was that was pretty sweet didn't have like didn't have the biggest audience we, we had a little competition for that time slot with uh yeah, we're not to, to talk to the powers of b next year because that was kind of rough yeah, we might we may have to go for prime time slot next year. We had yeah. right next to our room was a pitching panel, which I actually really wanted to go to, uh, yeah. but I was not I was not going to bail on our own <laughs> live live show. But it was like Nick Pollock, Zimmerman, Chris Clegg, Gobier, um, and their ring leading everything. Also, yeah, yeah, doing a pitching panel. But um, I don't know, just like an exhausting, amazing weekend. Yeah. It's worth every lack of sleep you can get. It was it was absolutely awesome. the The podcast was great, sponsored by High Noon. For those that were curious, yeah, and, well, um, I, don't, I don't have any no 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 row of High Noons on the table yeah, here. Not yet. Not yet. My 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 refrigerator in the kitchen. Um, but yeah, it was great. It was awesome. It was one of those like we were doing it, and then we had great support from people that were there. Very interactive. It was everything we wanted it to be and more. So, looking forward to building on that uh, more often. It was it was awesome, and it was cool even because like we knew we were up against competition and people came up afterward and said, how'd it go? We went over there. Cause we know we could download yours. They were like already listening to it the next morning. It was like, it was cool. Like they're like, they wanted to be their thing, which, you know, it sounds cheesy, but for us, that's pretty freaking awesome. So it's just, we're, we're the newbies in that room. So that was kind of fun to, uh, to kind of get that love. And, and Vlad Sedler was our ringleader at the, uh, the bar promoting us. He was like our, our Russian, um, you know, doorman. It, it was great to see. So it was a lot of fun all around. All right, we won't keep gushing over that because people probably don't care after a while, but it was a blast. Looking forward to doing it again. And um, yeah, I feel I don't want to shout out too many guys. So I know I'll miss some, but yeah. Will G, I, I know I told Ryan the way we met was 
priceless. That's all I had to say. You basically mugged me outside. And it was it was hilarious. Best hug ever. So little, good little seeing everybody. On the, little on the yeah. So we'll we'll do we'll do more of that going forward. But uh, it made me almost want to try to find a way to go to first pitch Florida. We'll see. That's a little harder, but we'll we'll see how that goes. Um, coming up in March for those that are curious. Early March. Uh, keep That's your right. eyes out for that. Uh, all right. We are reviewing catchers and closers, as we like to do here. ADP from uh, the end of the NFBC main event draft season, comparing it to the end of season um, Razball player Raider rankings, and we'll see who panned out. We've seen a lot of positions. Paying up positions have been pretty good. We've seen certain positions with pockets of value later on, certain positions with no value later on. Well, Ryan, we're going to start with catcher, and paying up worked. Hat tip to Toby. Because he's been king pay for catchers for a while. And, um, you know, your top, let's just say top four right out the gate. Salvador Perez was the um, the first catcher taken, fifth player Raider. JTR, second catcher taken, first player Raider. Will Smith, third catcher taken, third on the player Raider. And Dalton Varsho, the fourth catcher taken, second on the player Raider. So if you started out with one of those four, you have to be very, very happy. Um, we'll get to the next guy after we cover these four that might have drowned your hopes, but um, the top four they paid off in a big, big way. They did, and that was, and that's why I, I'm excited. I'm really excited for this episode because so many like draft plans and strategies revolve around when are you going to take, how early are you going to take your catcher and your closer, and what what we're definitely seeing from the catchers was yeah, those top four: Perez, Realmuto, Will Smith, and Varsho. Um, all delivered top five value at the position, but then also they were top 100 picks with the exception of Perez, which was an injury. I mean, he missed, he missed a good amount of time. Uh, Sal Perez missed basically a month and a half, almost two months with that thumb injury. So he finished like 153rd overall, but the rest of those guys, JTR was 30th, Varsha 60th. Like you, you, you did really well. And especially with like, and and looking down through the um, through the chart, like no stolen bases at this position, with the exception of Real Muto and Varsha. So if you snagged one of those two guys early on, man, um, makes up for a lot of lack of speed elsewhere. And it's like we talked about at the outfield position. I had to pull it up real quick when we talk uh, Dalton Varsha. He was um, he was 14th in the outfield. So we talked about it then that like yeah. he's got yep. he's got he's got viability. At catcher and outfield, you mentioned JTR and Varsha both having the stolen base upside. One of the big kind of, and it'll be all offseason conversation, but a, a topic that was discussed a lot at First Pitch Arizona was, um, you know, is it that bad maybe with the changes in the landscape of stolen bases? That's all speculation. But, you know, we talk about Freddie Freeman. He's been like a top five end of season Razball dude at first base time and time again. It's steady Eddie. You know what you're going to get. If you take a guy like that, you don't have to worry about the steals if you go and get a JCR or a Varsha. It, it offsets things a bit because most catchers, like you're saying, don't give you steals. So if you sacrifice steals with, with Freeman but get the elite batting average power, all the county stats, go get your stolen bases from JTR or Varsha. goes back to the old thing, like you said, draft strategy, building your team. It kind of opens my eyes. It's opened my eyes in recent years, and I, I'm hoping this kind of helps open some more eyes to the fact that these guys are worth the draft pick. Like they really, really are. They they separate themselves so much from the rest of the team. Because even you know, Salvi was great, Will Smith was great, but you know, to me, those steals just make those guys even better. Like in a crazy way. Like you said, top sixty overall in the player rater between the two of them. 
that's just elite production from the catcher's position that I don't see changing with Rio Muto and Varsho. Really, I don't see it changing a ton. You might have some other guys we'll talk about later on that might go from like four or five steals to like eight or nine, maybe. Who knows? But that Varsho and JTR uh, steals upside to go with the power is elite, and that is uh, something to definitely circle. Just to, just to put you on the spot, so JTR a twenty twenty season trivia question for you: Who was the last catcher to go twenty twenty? Twenty twenty. This is a. I want to say Benito Santiago or something. But whoa, oh, what a name! Um, no, but that's 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 an awesome. Have not heard that one in in a long time. Uh, I just think of a catcher that ran with power, and I can't like nothing's ring. Pudge. There you go, Pudge Rodriguez. Yeah, and it's one of the two. Yeah. I mean, I think 1999 yeah uh, i think he's the only I, I searched this a while ago um i don't know why um i think he's the only other like primary catcher in recent history to actually go 2020 yeah 1999 pudge had he hit 332 with 25 bags and 35 homers like good god but yeah um, but yeah pretty pretty epic season from from jtr for sure and for those watching on YouTube, because I'm so talented, I just remembered, pulled up the oh, uh, bloom right. so you, you can watch it go. with us. We're trying to incorporate these things because it was such a smashing hit. We meet uh, in person uh, for, for three days and just instant improvements to yeah. the podcast. Imagine if we spent like a month together. Yeah, we went um, and had barbecue and all of a sudden we thought, man, let's do these things. And it worked out great. So just the, the barbecue did seem to, uh, that like cheese filled sausage seemed to inspire yep. some ideas. Yeah, but got the brain flowing for sure. Now, here's the kicker. Like, taking catchers early is great. Double dipping in catchers is great if you do it right. The fifth catcher off the board, one, Yasmani Grandal, 51st, 51st. Remember, there's 30 baseball teams, 30. (laughs) 51st on the Razzball Player Raider at the catcher's position. I'll let you unveil the total number that you have in your column because, my God, that is impressive. But 202, five home runs, one stolen base. And the problem with Yasmani this year, Ryan, is last year, 2021, he started off bad, got hurt, but then he tore it up. So he's like, give, I think he gave a lot of us, even, even myself. I had him for a long time and finally cut cord. The false hope that, oh, he can turn it around. He'll be good. He'll get it there. It never came together, Ryan. Never came together, especially like a, that lineup I thought was 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 just golden for him. Um, yeah, I mean, there's always going to be, you know, you're, you're never going to hit perfectly these top five or whatever, but uh, that's where you almost kind of get like unlucky because right after Yasmani Grandal, four picks later was Wilson Contreras, who was absolutely fine. Um, yeah. Finished eighth overall, hit 243 with 22 homers and four steals. So like, that makes a massive difference if you had that choice, if you waited till the, I don't know what, sixth or seventh, maybe seventh, eighth round where these two guys were going. Um, man, that's uh, players matter. These these strategies, and I think the, at first pitch, Dave Potts said this a lot um, in his panel, but like strategy is strategy. Nothing groundbreaking here, but you got to get the right players for any strategy to work. And yep. Um, that was a, that was a major decision point between Contreras and Grandal uh, that, uh, that that took teams down vastly different paths. Yeah, that was. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned Dave's thing because I kept trying to tell people that we're just laughing at his comments about you have to pick the right players, and it's so true. But what I was trying to remind people, what he's trying to tell you right now is, don't change your strategy necessarily just because it didn't go right. Like you just pointed out, it was four picks yeah. apart. If someone else just happened to pick Grandal and you picked Contreras. 
your whole thing could have flipped. And it's just little tweaks like that. So your strategy might not have been that far off. You just flipped the coin and got the wrong side, unfortunately. And that's how that panned out. So doesn't mean you can't go back with that strategy next year and be just fine because Dave, he's two-time multi-milli uh, maker winner. He's won tons of NFC, NFC Hall of Famers. So I think strategy is proven can be a pretty good thing. So just keep that in mind. But it gets more fun at the catcher's position. Now it's like a literal did it work, did it not work? Because it, it's up and down here for a bit. You know, Mitch Garver got hurt. You know, he still had 10 homers, 207, 33rd on the Raider. Who knows what would have been? Same with Tyler Stevenson, still 23rd, 319, 6-1. He got hurt. Kyber Ruiz, 251, 7-6. and six. Wasn't great. Wasn't horrible at catcher. So you got three kind of mediocre guys, but then you get Kirk, Alejandro Kirk, Christian Vasquez, who still somehow put up an okay year, Elias Diaz, Sean Murphy, Gary Sanchez. So, like, it's a little good and some bad. It's just kind of hit and miss on, like, same theory. When did you decide to take that catcher, Ryan? Right. And so, yeah, the two guys at the top that you just mentioned, Garber, seventh off the board, uh, and Stevenson, like, Stevenson was going at Stevenson was having a really yeah. hell of a year. Three nineteen I mean, catcher, Ooh. yeah, hitting three nineteen and really almost. I mean, we say, well, no, well, never mind. I was going to say he played a lot of first base, but he actually didn't. He only played one game at first base. So scratch that. I correct myself before I uh, say something wrong. But yeah, three nineteen, six homers in one hundred sixty six at bats, and the the injury was um, pretty fluky. So like, I'm not really discounting uh stevenson at all for that and actually neither is the market i know we're going to be looking ahead at 2023 in future shows but tyler stevenson's adp even though he had less than 200 at bats has actually gone up from last year last year 168 like you said bubba this year he's up to 136 so um well it goes to that point that goes to that point you made on the podcast last week too what was that catchers going over 10 in the top 150 yeah 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 that's wild yeah, that was one of our things on the pod. Well, yeah, anyone who listens now probably listened last week. But yes, 10 catchers, 10 of these catchers, and, and we'll probably see why as a result of this episode. Uh, 10 catchers going in the first 10 rounds of 15-team drafts. That's that's pretty much double of what it's been each of the last three years. So, Yep. But then Alejandro Kirk, who paid off in a big way, but I'm going to give you the floor here because he finished seventh in the play Raider, 285-14-0. But you've pointed out it might not be as good as we thought when it came to Kirk? Yeah, I took actually multiple deep dive looks at Alejandro Kirk so far this offseason. The first one, as part of the forecaster, I had Alejandro Kirk's box uh, for the book, but then also at first pitch was on a Saturday morning panel. This was like, yeah, like 8 a.m., so a few hours after our show Friday night. Again, first pitch, exhausting but wonderfully exhausting. Um, did a hitter panel with with Jeff Erickson, Eric Carabell, and Justin Mason, and we talked about four or five different catchers, and Alejandro Kirk was, was one of those guys. And I don't know. I, I'm a little worried about Alejandro Kirk when we look back at what he did in, in 2022. And, Bubba, we've talked about this a lot, kind of those second-half faders that yep. doesn't get talked about that often Alondra Kirk's one of those guys we all think of him as this like hitting machine first half at 314 with 10 home runs second half man he hit 258 with four home runs and 244 at bats the the contact was there the contact skills are elite with Alejandro Kirk but I don't know what happened with the power the ground ball rate went from 44 percent up to 56 percent 
in the second half. Sometimes that pertains to like a hidden injury. Um, I just, I, I'd love to see that first half version of Alejandro Kirk come back. I don't, I don't, maybe this is a little bit hot takey and we have a, a listener question on this a little bit later, but I don't even know if Alejandro Kirk's my favorite catcher on that team for next year. So, um, yeah, that's the question. We do have a qu- uh, listener question on that. And uh, for those in the uh, chat, Nick Pollock is having some fun because we're talking catchers. Well, we got Pollock so, in the chat. So, so he's loving life. It's his favorite there he topic. Is. Yeah, he's, he's having some fun over there. But catcher after, list. Catcher list, exactly. After you go Kirk, you got Christian Vasquez. You, I don't. That's a tough one there. But he produces just, is he going to start enough? We'll see we'll See where he ends up as a free agent. Elias Diaz, I always am a sucker for him. But Sean Murphy, uh, sixth on the player writer, 250, 18-1, big second half. It feels like, if I remember correctly, was Sean Murphy mashing baseball. Somehow did not get traded out of Oakland. Gary Sanchez produced. And then you had Omar Narvaez, who I felt like was better than 206-4-0, but apparently not. So um, oh, I guess out of this group, you got Sean Murphy showing up for you. Anything else stand out before we get to number 16 on this list? No, not really. I mean, the Sean Murphy, yes, you're right. It was a it was a second half surge. Uh, batting average went from 225 up to 274 in the second half and held uh, nine homers in each half. The interesting thing that I'm looking at, Bubba, is again, listener or everyone on the show can see this. I'm not seeing any 20 home run catchers that were drafted outside of the top, top 150 until you get really late. But yeah. um, this entire group that we just talked about, and again, some of it may be volume, um, but yeah, Sean Murphy has the, has the highest home run total. Pretty much any catcher drafted outside the top 150, and he only had 18 home runs. So just interesting. Well, I'm willing to make a wager right now. This next guy picked up 284, 10th on the player at 254, 13 and 4. We'll have over 20 home runs next year. I'm willing to go there. I'm willing to say he creeps up in there. That's one of Adley Rushman, who, um, you know, might have started out a little slow early on when he got his call to Baltimore, but then just a beast. One of the best offensive fantasy catchers in baseball. Once he got called up, the Orioles' record showed how great he impacted the team. Um, Adley Rushman was a steal last year if you took the chance and held on to him long enough, but this year he's you got to pay a premium to get Mr. Rushman. That was the thing, like, and held on to him. I mean, you probably yeah. did. You either drafted Rutschman and waited until he came up, or you paid a pretty decent penny in fab for Rutschman. Just super, super impressive, man, because that learning curve for catchers to go from AAA to, or, or did he come from AAA or did he go straight from AA? Either way, AAA. I mean, yeah. was it AAA? Yeah. That learning curve is just nuts. Because not only are you trying to adapt to to major league pitchers, but you also have your own major league pitching staff to uh, to manage as well. And Adley got off to that really terrible start, which kind of is expected. And to see him do what he did in the second half, and like you said, just outside of fantasy, Bubba, like being really the MVP from that Baltimore run, um, super super impressive. You are gonna have to pay up for Adley seventy two eighty p. In 2023, and I do have, I talked about this a little bit last weekend, I do have some reservations about he just walks so much, and I don't know, maybe he gets kind of a Juan Soto in Washington treatment next year, where the walks just kind of kill the, not kill, but suppress might be the better word, his his 5 by 5 value in batting average leagues, but I don't know, I'm nitpicking, like 
super impressive stuff. If you got if you got Adley Rutschman, you if you drafted him and held on and didn't and got nothing for most of the first half, you still made out like a bandit. You tenth overall catcher for pretty much half a season of production. That man's that man's future is bright. Very, very bright. Um, after that, though, it gets a little, little rough for a couple pictures. And Nino, sixty fifth on the player radar, shocker, one forty eight, <laughs> five and zero. Do you mean he couldn't produce hitting two hundred and hitting twenty plus home runs again? Shocker. Carson Kelly did surprise me. Twenty fifth on the player, two eleven seven and two. I had higher expectations for Carson Kelly. And Max Stassi always gets hurt, man. It always gets hurt. And then Joey Bart had a couple weeks where he looked legit. Not so much. So. That little four pack there before we get into some potential options. It's um like Kelly makes me want to go back to him. Bart, I still have hope, but it's not like overly optimistic. It's not, but I think I think Kelly's a fine rebound candidate. I, I I've always been a Carson Kelly guy, maybe to my detriment. Um, two eleven, seven homers, two bags. Like that that's pretty terrible. But I, I think I don't know injuries and and some other things there. I think he's a decent rebound candidate. The the one who I'm really interested, especially your take, is 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 your boy, yeah, Joey Bart. Like man, the swing and miss, the swing and miss was was ugly. Um, yeah. I mean, we talked about with Adley like that adjustment period. Joey Bart has he's had time to he's adjust, had time. and he's had time. And I don't know, yeah. So. He's had time. That's what's frustrating. Uh, I think they give him another good run next year and see what he's really got. He he, he had a couple of runs there. He's he's actually pretty productive offensively. So I'm hoping he can kind of build on that because the tools are there. I just don't know if he's uh, can. I don't know. It's weird. It's hard to see there with um, Joey Bart. Maybe they move him to first base. Uh, who knows? And just let him not mm-hmm. catch anymore. We'll have to wait and see how that plays out. But I, I'd like to give hope. I'd hope his uh, ADP drops. It won't because there's still I think that little uh, prospect pedigree people will talk about. But I'm willing to make him a catcher too if you have to. You might not need to though, because you got guys. Oh wait, another Toronto Blue Jay catcher, Danny Jansen, 16th on the player hit 260, 15 and one. He was hurt a lot, but when he was healthy, he produced in a big way. Uh, we will skip over Yadier, who pretty much done. Eric Haas, yet again catcher outfit eligible, 15th on the player hit 254, 14 and zero for a couple uh, later round chances, probably waiver wire options, Ryan. Yeah, this starts to get good. And, and Danny Jansen, man, I, he's my guy. He's my guy this year. Again, had his box, forecaster box, and just super impressive. Finishing 16th, 16th among catchers in half a season. And really, I mean, really tore it up in the second half of, of last year when he was finally healthy. Uh, Danny Jansen hit 270 with eight home runs, 355 OBP. And that lineup, that's that's really good. So, um Huge fan of Danny Jansen. I, I I I don't know where he's going in 2023. I know he's a lot cheaper than Alejandro Kirk, and really like that that price point. So um, Eric Haas, another one, kind of like really unsexy name on a on a bad team, but he's gonna play. I think he's gonna play enough at catcher to kind of kind of stick there. But also he can he can DH. He can play some outfield. That's the kind of thing like from a from a quiet volume standpoint, um, Eric Haas is, you know, he's not going to break out or anything, but the, the average is fine. The power is really good. And so um, that's another one. If you're, if you're going to wait on catcher for 2023, which again, we'll get into, but um, Eric Haas has shown 23rd drafted catcher and returned 15th. So um, really good, especially for depth of position. He's actually not looking at, he only played 11 games in the outfield. Um, but he did the age at 12. So 
he only gets the catcher eligibility, which that's fine. I mean, you're not going like to draft it. him and then put him in the outfield unless you're really in a pinch. But getting those extra 20, 25 games at outfield and DH combined, like it's that's big. huge. It's big. Uh, after that, we'll pass over Austin Nolo, James McCann, Jorge Alfaro, Higashioka. That gets ugly. Collins. That gets a little bleak, but then it gets really fun. MJ Melendez. He had ADP yep. of 418, likely off the waiver wire for most. 12th in the player Raider, 217, 18, and 2. If you dig into his numbers, better than a 217 hitter. Lots of optimism there. William Contreras, undrafted, ninth in the player Raider. Cal Raleigh, undrafted, 11th. Those are the 220 home run plus guys you're talking about. Jonah Heim, undrafted, 13th. Even Christian Betancourt, undrafted, and 18. So four guys in the top 20, undrafted. In the player right, it kind of goes back to the thing I preached forever this past season. You could almost stream catchers if you played the cards right. Not always, but you could. And uh, you could have guys like Contreras, Raleigh, and Heim, and Betancourt, even Melendez, on your roster at some point in time, even Derek Haas probably, and uh, have some fun with that. So what do you think about this back end, who obviously would be going higher in draft seasons, but it, it just kind of gives a depth to the position this year, Ryan? That's exactly what it does, and that's exactly what I was going to say. Like it just, It just bolsters the depth of the position to have – four or five breakout guys like this uh, do what they did last season. So like just to hit on Melendez a little bit, that's a perfect segue from Eric Haas because it's kind of the same deal. You're getting, you're getting that act that, that added volume in Melendez's case, it's even more because he played 38 games at outfield 23 at DH. He was almost not a catcher or he <laughs> almost played. Well, that's not right. He, he, he did play more at catcher than those other positions combined, but it was almost like a 50, 50 split. And he let off for a lot of last season, which I don't know if we can expect that to happen again next year. Like the OBP was only 313 for MJ Melendez. So like not the best leadoff hitter. Yeah, that's not really what you want out of a leadoff guy. However, and you alluded to this, Bubba was like he's a better he's better than 217 in the batting average and thus better than a 313 OBP hitter. But we'll see. Um, that's not a given, but it is a way uh, that Melendez, you know, earned that value in, in 2022 is leading off. And then, um, yeah, these kind of out of the blue breakout guys. I'm kind of surprised William Contreras wasn't drafted in hindsight, but I guess I guess he was really blocked for playing time yep. in Atlanta. And that was kind of the big thing. You cannot just grab a third catcher and stash them unless it is like Adley Rutschman. So I get that. Cal Raleigh kind of out of nowhere. Some Mariners. Folks up here like Thumper, but 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 yes, he um, I almost want, yeah, I don't know. I almost wonder if the whole big dumper playoff legend is 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 pushing that price up a little bit. I I mean, the dude so. hit did hit 211. Yep. <laughs> he did his year. best Gary Sanchez last year, yeah, but led led or tied for the lead in home runs. Varsho had 27, and so did Cal Raleigh. So, like, if you need power, he's got it. Um, and then yeah, Heim, Christian Bethencourt, like, yeah, just a lot of depth and similar to what you were saying and have been harping on that, that drum Bubba is there. These guys were available throughout the year last year. If you uh, wanted to hold your nose and hold your nose and stream catchers, it didn't actually smell that bad last year. Yeah. It's not fun. I don't recommend it, but if you have to, there's at least in 12 teams, unless there's been options, you can make it work. Uh, as we do at each position, let's have a little look back on what we did right or wrong. Depends on how we want to go about it. Uh, who was your most targeted catcher for the good or for the bad this past season? Uh, for the 
bad was Carson Kelly. Had a lot of Carson Kelly, and if you just heard me, I would probably yeah. go back to that dry well. As, as ADP, it's worth it. Yeah. Um, and then a lot of Danny Jansen, which um, I could say worked out year-end, but I had to cut him. Yeah. And I know in my main event, just because he was hurt for a good chunk of the first half, and it's so hard to um, to hold on to a third catcher like that. So I wouldn't really say that's a – it's kind of a win from the kind of a year-end standpoint, but that production was unfortunately on someone else's team in my leagues. My bad. I had a lot of Kelly. I also had a lot of Grandal. I did a lot of two-catcher earlys, and Grandal was my catcher too in a lot, mm-hmm. so it kind of felt like I just did one catcher early with two draft picks. Um, so that stunk, but – my good, and there's plenty of evidence about this. I had all the Dalton Varsha I could handle. I Boom. was I was all in on Dalton Varsha last year. So there's well uh, there's no no line about that one. There's evidence. People can go back to the logs. There's tons of Dalton Varsha in my life, and I plan on doing that again this year. I'm not scared. Not scared at all. I've been a big big fan of what we saw there, and it's 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 very very nice. Um, biggest regret not drafting this past season. So kind of wish we did the regular this regular pod last year and didn't start it, didn't wait till opening day ish to start it because we would have had plenty of debates on Dalton Varsho. Um, oh, nice. and I would have been wrong. I would have definitely been wrong. So he's he's my biggest regret. I just I didn't believe in. I I, I just didn't see the volume, and I didn't believe. I thought it was just too small a sample. I didn't think the steals would be there. Um, and absolutely was wrong. So we, we would have had some some good back and forth there. And, and maybe I would have had to pay for a round of golf or some beers because of that. But <laughs> yeah, have, biggest regret was Varsho. We'll have all this preseason to, to make bets for 2023. So don't you worry about that. <laughs> we'll have to play like 12 rounds of golf to actually. Yes. Yeah, that's fine with me. Let's do it. We, we get great work. ideas when we, when we do things together. So you never know. It's for the show. We'll write it off. Um, biggest regret not drafting. This is tricky because, like, I got Varsho, so I'm happy. Like, not enough JTR. Is that sound too easy? That that sucks. Yeah. I think for me, if I have to pick a guy up top, I was out on Will Smith. I was not a Will Smith hmm. believer. 260, 24, and 1, pretty damn good. I'd still take Varsho over Will Smith at this moment. I'd probably take Adley Rushman over Will Smith. But I don't know. I just have, like, blinders on Will Smith. I need to do more soul-searching on Will Smith because he is that good. He really is. I just – I guess I never just trust Dave Roberts to – to make it work, but they gave Will Smith plenty of at-bats at DH and everything to make it count. So maybe I just need to kind of get that bias out of my system and move on from there. But Will Smith would be one that I pretty much just faded the whole time. But it could also have been because I was just taking Varsho 20 picks later. So I don't know. But. I mean, I, I think yeah, I, Will Smith's the best hitting catcher in baseball. I yeah, think. I'm, st- I'm starting to see that now. It's just I don't know what – I was just blinded by the light or something. I don't know. It was yeah. – uh, Pretty crazy stuff, but that wraps up our catchers. We'll get back to catchers and the listener questions later on, but let's have a little fun here and go to closers. Uh, Before we get into the actual closers, Ryan, why don't you let the listeners know before they ask why wasn't this person on the sheet, what the sheet consists of? There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. 
They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sure. Yeah. Um, and first off, seamless transition, man, with the with the technology. That was that okay, was good. That okay. was that was better than me last week trying to we so at the live show we had like this TV behind me. Oh god. Which oh my god. Um, don't even talk about the hookup process. Yeah, the hookup process. There were like any TV, there's like eight HDMI cords. This thing's mounted to the wall. Bubba's like doing yoga trying to test every single HDMI plug and it turns out i didn't even plug it into the laptop so obviously nothing worked so we finally figured that out and then you had to do it all again oh that's fun um but we got it working we got some bloom boards up behind us at the show which was kind of cool but yeah. i don't know if worth the worth the effort <laughs> but uh uh what you, oh yeah so okay so yeah for with closers like i don't know it's so hard to di- differentiate from like when i'm pulling this list up what's a closer versus a reliever or whatever. I just said anyone on this list is anyone who got uh, over five saves. So uh, there might, there might've been some relievers that were drafted earlier that did not get five saves. They're not showing up on this list. There is also Will Smith. There is also catcher Will Smith showing up on the reliever list because of course uh, Steve Gardner pointed that out before the show. Um, it's been a busy week, man. I'm neck deep in forecaster stuff. So I just, through this out there. So there is catcher Will Smith, who was the 10th drafted closer and finished as the eighth closer overall, which makes zero sense because he's yeah. a catcher. Yep. So just ignore that. Ignore that when you go through. That's the beauty like Ryan said before. When you're doing data stuff like this, you know, things cross out. Was it uh Luis or you know, Suarez or so we had some guy earlier that did the same thing. So there's Luis, yeah. there's the three Luis Garcias, yeah, two Diego Castillos, yep. and yep. the two Will Smith. The crossover is fun. But when we kick this off, just for visual purposes, lots of green up top. Lots of green up top. If you look at the top eight relievers slash closers taken off the board with five or more saves, um, seven of them. Uh we'll say top 20, six of them top 12. Rysel Iglesias, I'll give him a grain of salt on that one because he was still elite. He got traded, so this should all be green in my mind. Um, he was no Giovanni was, Gallegos, though. Yes, tat tip to you, Paul Spore. Great pick <laughs> last year because we're going to recap 2021 with Paul Spore and Justin Mason. Um, but they'll appreciate that, people. Um, but the top closer off the board was Josh Hader, ADP 22. Finished 20th, though, because he had that rough stretch when he came to San Diego. We talked about, I think, on the show that um, he was having the personal problems with the the, the the birth of their child and his wife's dealing with it. It was a lot of stuff off the field, and it does feel like that had a big impact because he kind of, it looks like he kind of got his stuff right, like a few like a month later, maybe, and then he looked like the Josh Hader of old, right? Yeah, I took, and this is just this is an interesting kind of thought exercise as we think back um, on this. So Josh Hader, I I know I took him in mixed labor very early in draft season, but took Josh Hader in the third round. And obviously like 
at the end of the year, Hader finished as the 20th overall catcher. But like, I feel like that wasn't, it was, it was a bad pick in hindsight, but it wasn't a pick that like killed me. I got my 34 saves out of Josh Hader. Like it wasn't, I don't know. Like, do I regret the pick? Yeah, but it wasn't like, I don't know. It, 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 it did not ruin my team. I got the saves I needed. Yes. The ratios were terrible. Yes, it was a very short-lived stretch of terrible ratios, but also yes, they count, and he was on my team. But when you're happened. a reliever, all it takes is a couple of those, and it exactly. I think everything. it was. I'm pulling up his game log. It was one start. <laughs> there were two starts: July 13th and July 15th. Mm-hmm. One of them against your Giants. Yep. Uh, gave up three earned and then six earned, and then gave up six earned in late August at Kansas city. So basically he, and again, they count. He had two starts where he gave up 12 earned runs. And I would try and do the math as what, of what his ERA would be without that, but it doesn't really matter. Um, the interesting thing with Hader, like you mentioned, Bubba is finished, finished fantastically. Um, I think he had one or two earned runs after September to look great in the postseason, Like, Maybe he's not a second or third rounder, but eh, he's probably a third rounder next year. So he'll still go very early. Yeah. Just speaks to the volatility of the position. Yeah. That's why, that's why it's, there's always great arguments. Do you pay up? Do you not? I think what you're paying up for the ratios you want, it's the saves. Like we talked about on this show and other places, people have talked about it. You wanted like 55 to 60 saves to be competitive in your league, especially 15 team leagues. If you can lock up 30 plus with one of these guys out the gate, that's tremendous because then you can play the game after that. And it, it just it just jump starts you, and you're kind of barring an injury, you're penciling in those thirty plus saves. That's what you're drafting. You want the ratios, you expect the ratios. Stuff happens. You the biggest thing you care about, like you said, you got thirty four saves from Josh Hader. That's tremendous in helping you in that column, and hopefully you have some good starting pitchers or other relievers that help you with the rest of the process. That's what you're hoping for. But you got those saves. And back to Dave Potts' point, if you just you know. You picked the wrong guy. That's just what happens. Liam Hendricks, three picks later, the seventh on the player radar, 291 ERA, 101 whip, 35 saves. And that just, again, it's so easy to look back in hindsight, but that's what these exercises are for. You, Hater might have hurt you, but was it really the wrong process? No, because Hendricks literally three picks later. But like both elite guys, like you said, if you could take away those two or three bad outings from Josh Hater, he probably has better numbers than Liam Hendricks. You can't. It happened, as you said, but he probably also has three more saves and elite numbers and just makes Hendricks look horrible. So I think, I, I can't remember who did it. It might have been, um, might have been Rob Silver or somebody because he's always on the player radar. I think if you go back to Josh Hader pre that first blow up, I think he was like still the number one relief pitcher on the player radar. So that shows you the volatility of the position. But as I was saying, Liam Hendricks got the job done, Ryan. I just remember, yeah, that going back. I know we're talking about Hater too much, but um, I remember tweeting something out like right before. And so, yeah, I look like an idiot, but right before his first blow up and was like, is Josh Hater a first rounder next year? Because he was that good in the first half. And, you know, that's kind of a stretch of a question, but it was, it was a debate. Yep. And then, and then the second half happened. But, um, yeah. Um, I mean, the other thing I'd add to is, especially with these top closers, we did we do talk about the ratios, the elite of the elite. Like if you hit on some of these guys, and we'll talk about like a class A Edwin Diaz, like 
60 innings of a 1.4 ERA and a 0.74. I'm, I'm listing off Emmanuel Class A's. Like that does have a tremendous value. Not a not not like a major major impact on your staff, but a pretty pretty big impact when they're when they're that low. Yeah. So yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get right to those guys. Iglesias, like I mentioned, 26th in the player under 259.98, 17 saves, got traded, was still elite with the Braves. Like he I think he's gonna be closer to the Braves. Some people think Jansen might come back. I don't know why they would have made that trade without giving him the job this next year, but who knows? You never know. So I think he's just fine. But you mentioned Class A first in the player raider, 1407440. Diaz third on the player raider. We'll get to number two later. That is amazing, by the way. We'll get to that. But yeah, Class A one, Diaz three, Ryan Presley, your boy, twelfth. But then Kenley Jansen, even though people give their skepticism, fourth, thirty-eight saves, yeah. and then Jordan Romano fifth. So Jestrom picks the fourth through eighth closer off the board, four of the top five right there. Like that is elite stuff and it goes back to what people pounded the drum for that's basically the first five rounds of drafts people said get your ace closer early and if you did that knock on wood you had a great closer all of them except iglesias who still i think would have but he didn't 30 plus saves that's what you're shooting for and you got him it worked it, it absolutely worked last year to pay up for saves like i i think yes you can quibble with hater you can quibble with iglesias but like you said bubba there is no way to to project the the trade would happen um we can all say oh yeah that would have been a trade but i think it was it was it the will smith year when he was on the giants when everyone said he was going to be traded and he never got traded like it's just you figured if iglesias with multi-years on the deal he's going to get traded it's going to be to close somewhere not to back up kevin jansen that's fourth guy on the player raider yeah who Jansen, I'm glad you brought that up because I did not realize that when I put this charts together. Kenley Jansen, yeah, finishing fourth yep. overall um, among closers. Like the 38 saves was huge. The 110 whip, you know, not not elite, but but pretty damn good. I think everyone just kind of looks at the 354 ERA and says he had a bad year. Um, he didn't. Now there there's I think some concerns about him next year and how he adapts to the pitch clock. That's a separate conversation, but Kenley Jansen, absolutely fourth overall. I, I did not realize that. Um, so that was, that was good. And, and Jordan Romano just did his thing. Like that was kind of a no brainer, no brainer pick and set and forget in Toronto. And um, yeah, man, Ryan Presley, look at that. Beautiful. Your boy, your boy. Num- and, he, number- and he looked great in the postseason. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. So. Yeah, yeah. Ryan got to relive that draft pick over and over and over again. That's a good one. Um, then it gets murky. Aroldis Chapman, 56th. Again, 30 baseball teams, folks. 56th on the player radar of the 411-1379. Who knows where he'll be? We have a question from the doc, Mike Carter, on that later. Giovanni, Paul Spore Gallegos, 29th on the player radar. 291.97, 14 saves. Not bad, but someone else we'll get to in a minute. Way outperformed him as the closer of the Cardinals. And then Corey Knable, 45th, 343-137-12. He had some goods. He had some bads. Uh, you know, it's kind of a setup man more so in L.A., got traded to Philadelphia, got some chances there, up and down road. But we're starting to that point, Ryan, and we'll get to some more green shortly. But uh, there's a whole heck of a lot of red coming our way. Yeah, it's kind of like terrifying to look at where yeah. this thing goes from here. Um Real quick, Canable. Canable was one who I I was kind of on. Like I love the skills, but I think he had like one save the last three years coming into this season, something like that. 
Um, he really was not a closer, uh, or, or I shouldn't say that. He had not pitched in a closing role in quite some time um, and got kind of burned. Um, Scott Barlow is someone who I didn't have any of, and maybe just because he's on the Royals, like, and maybe, like I said, I'm get, I get guys mixed up all the time. I could never differentiate Scott Barlow and Joe Barlow, so I just ignored both of them. Um, again, not a uh, not a winning strategy, but Scott Barlow was was really good in Kansas City. And then, um, I mean, we talked about Hader with kind of that unforeseen yep. second half collapse. Taylor Rogers, like yep. that dude, was electric the first half of the season, and then um, then the power went out. Yep, power went out. I'd be curious to see where that one goes as he sets up for the greatest closer in baseball next year. So that'll be fun. We'll see him on the oh. charts next season when we recap uh, this. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's not on the charts right now, so that's great. It'll help his ADP for me. Um, we'll, so we'll, that's we'll, that's Devin. Yeah, Williams, so that's why he's not. Show, so Devin yeah. Williams is not on here because he must not have had. He'll ha- he'll have more than five saves next year. I can put whatever round of golf you want on that right now. Um, but uh, next up, you have K- Kimbrel. Not great. Still got 22 saves. I guess mediocre is what I'll say. I'll say mediocre. Uh, Melanson, bad. Kittrich wasn't great, but not, not bad either. Um, main event. Main event yeah. seventh round for me. That's why here's I'm my, on. Here's my guy that I got as a, a reliever two in a lot of leagues. And the whip of one three one's horrific. Three two six ERAs. And I've had 29 saves, though, for Gregory Soto. At an ADP of 138 as my relief pitcher two. If I pair that up with one of the elites of 30-plus saves, I'll take that sacrifice all year long. You got a little lucky with Mr. Soto. It no was. offense. And it I had was. Soto on my AL Tau team. Like, got a little lucky. Um, a 1.3 whip is is pretty awful for a closer. Yep. And it's Luis Castillo, Cincinnati Reds. No, that's that's Eduardo Rodriguez numbers right there. Yeah, that's uh it's rough. He lost, I think, eleven games. Yeah. So had all yeah. the saves and lost eleven. Could have had forty um, saves. No, just kidding. Yeah, could have. <laughs> Could have. I, I are you going so are you going back to that well um next year with Soto? There's a chance, yes. I'm not gonna say no. There's a, there's a good to. chance. Oh wait, Devin Williams is on this list. We'll get to him shortly. Never mind. Is he he's down, down there? there. Yep. Because I okay, because I was looking it up. I was like, he definitely got more than five saves. So yeah, he's here he there? and he's electric. Oh, he makes me feel even better looking at this list now. Sorry. Um yeah, I'll probably go back to Soto just because he'll be so cheap and he's got the job. So we've well, got it for now, I should say. Let me let me let me clarify that. So Soto's interesting. You got Matt Barnes, not great. Tanner Houck, yeah. But then David Bednar, 27th on the player, 272, 111, 18, injured a lot. I, you know, it's tough to say how many saves he would have got because Pittsburgh's Pittsburgh, but it feels like he's better than the 27th reliever, don't you think? Yeah, it almost, I'm looking at it. And again, I mean, Raswell does great work. I'm sure this is, yep. you know, it's, it's the valuation thing. It's, and it's probably just the saves. Like, yeah. But yeah, Bednar, the skills are great, but I mean, it's going to be the same problem next year. I mean, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh traded for G-Man Choi today, so maybe you know they'll get uh, you know, ten more wins because of that. <laughs> but I, yeah, I just it's hard to see like Bednar getting more than like twenty five, yeah, unless Pittsburgh's somehow good next year. So that's kind of the issue with Bednar. Um, it is interesting to see. Him post that 272 ERA, 111 whip, and still be the 27th overall closer, which is not very good. But uh, yeah, just to really, I mean, just to kind of summarize this group, this list of names that you that you rattled off, basically anyone, if you waited on 
closers outside of the top 115 and you took this is probably looking at what like seventh to to 10th. 12th round ish yeah, yeah basically none of those guys hit and i think that is a lesson learned for next year like a lot of folks talk about that kind of dead zone um where you're in this part of the draft where you're drafting guys who maybe have the role um at on draft day but don't have the skills to hold it and pretty much you got burned by all these guys except for soto and maybe bednar and then it comes to one of the most hyped up names last year and again this year and last year is funny because people were hyped up then they were not hyped up because gabe kapler's gabe kapler in the end camilo Duvall, 11th on the play writer two two five six one two six 27 saves and that was being like the closer like 65 percent of the time Probably going to be the way it is again next year just because that's what the Giants do. But he's skyrocketing up draft boards. He's been great. And then four more reds. So I'll let you have the ball first, and then we'll kind of scurry to the uh, the green down at the bottom. Yeah, the ball was a nice – and I, I think you were you were on him pretty hard just because yes. you saw what he did with San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Like I was, I was skeptical of like, yes, he looked great at the end of 2021, but wasn't sure like – it was such a small sample. wasn't sure he had the role, but obviously was, was wrong about that. And um, I don't know, just that middle round, like reliever wasteland just got even worse. Like Trevino, yeah. Trevino did get you some saves. Um, kind of an unlucky ratio combination there, but terrible ratios. There's the Joe Barlow uh, bender. Like, yeah, um, it just got worse and worse and worse as you went on. So um, again, kind of the, I think the moral to this and what I'm going to be trying to do. And I know a lot of people say this, but get, get that early closer and really try and fade, fade this middle, even middle to late uh, group, because it's, um, it was ugly. Yep. Get one or one or even two early, but get one for sure, and then just play the game later. Because like you mentioned those guys after Duvall. Then you got Paul Sewald, or Sewald, 13th on the play writer at 20 saves. Um, and then my boy, Devin Williams, at ADP 305, 15th on the play writer, 164.96, 15 saves. Um, I pounded the drum on him just because I knew the ratios would be good, and then he fell into the role. So I I, I understand why he wasn't that high as a, as a um, ADP, but – in season, he was a guy I was willing to pick up over some two pitch, two start streamers many times. So I'm there, but let's get to the fun one here. Undrafted, Undrafted. in the main event, the second reliever on the player Raider with a 126 ERA, 0.75 with 19 saves. Ryan Helsley of the St. Louis Cardinals surpassed Giovanni Gallegos. Sorry, Paul Spore. And, um, he ran away with that. He was filthy. Absolutely filthy. I'll let you have the floor in a second because another undrafted, Felix Bautista, 17th, 219.9315. He was great. Plus, his intro is amazing. Alexis Diaz of Cincinnati was 21st. He was really good. You had Rafael Montero at 22nd. Um, so, yeah, you had a handful of guys down here if you just decided to wait or play the waiver wire. You had at least four or five guys that were quite productive by the end of the season, Ryan. Yes, and you can point to, and I'm not seeing, Daniel Bard's another one. I don't know if he was undrafted, but he should have been somewhere on this list. Yeah, but he's Jorge another Lopez. one. Probably Jorge Lopez, too. Yeah, and Lopez, but at least started strong. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, Bard had 30 saves, so that was that was a late win for closers. Um, it's 
it kind of, I don't know. I go both ways on this kind of discourse in terms of like, you can, you can just get a closer late and you'll be fine. Um, for every one of these Helsley Bautista bars, there are probably five to Whoa. six times that that didn't pan out. What was the stat they gave out in the trivia about how much dollar returned for guys that tried to stream closers? Yeah, uh, so Ron Chandler, he does, he did this trivia. He does the opening address for first pitch every year. Now, think about it. I, I I think I know how he got to this number, but he said in AL Tout Wars, the twelve touts spent. I think some. I'll get the number wrong, but like four hundred ish dollars on on closers or potential closers. That group as a total out of the 400 spend returned 65 total dollars, which is terrible. That said, I think a lot of that is there are, there were a bunch of this ale only super deep. There were a bunch of relievers that just weren't closers. And so were dropped. And those guys from like evaluation standpoint can return like negative 10, negative 12. So I think that really like drove down that total number. So um it is a it is a fact that that happened um but i think a lot of that lost production was was off of your roster but still um it was you know there were these hits it was still kind of hard to um to to totally nail this helsley so like just to hit on some of these guys helsley a lot of that value to for him to finish second overall was i mean he had nine wins he had more wins yeah, than true a lot of probably pretty good starting pitchers last year. Um, I know we're talking about first pitch panels. Rob Silver, shout out to Rob, did an excellent thing on pitcher wins. And um, and here's Ryan Helsley's hanging out there with nine. But yeah, just a, a fantastic year. 94 strikeouts. That 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 adds up very quickly. Uh, that's something that, especially with these elite relievers, I was talking a little bit earlier about the uh, kind of the minuscule ratios and how that can help a staff. Same thing with strikeouts. If you get a reliever or two with 100 Ks, like Helsley, um, that that certainly matters. Felix Bautista was was absolutely unbelievable. You only got kind of a half season of him on your team because of the Lopez trade, but even with that, 17th overall. Um, so a lot of late hits here. But that's gen- my my general takeaway of what happened last year is again to kind of go early, fade that middle, and just kind of hope that uh, you can at least get cobbled together two or three stretches of saves from some other guys throughout the year. You know, what's really fun doing these boards um, is we have, we'll do starting pitching next week to wrap them up. But um, it seems like so many of these, because the, we have sharp people playing now or top heavy and you just really, I mean, we, hey, we've done podcasts on this, Ryan, the middle rounds. Um, it just, it just highlighted even more. So like, how important the middle rounds are. And even though we know, we think we know what we're talking about, you know, it still can be missed. That's the crazy part, but it just, you know, you have red, 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 one green, red, 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 one green. It's like, you have to find that green. It's like a needle in a haystack at each position, almost outside of a couple. And it just goes to, I guess, show you that you can be really good. You need to have some luck on your side, but you can be really good. And those guys that put those overall teams together, like these, and plus the waiver wire helps a ton, but uh, yeah. it, it's pretty impressive to see how that all plays out. No, and, and actually, as you were saying that, like I was thinking back to our last few recap episodes of where the middle round was fruitful, especially up the middle. And again, one year does not make a trend, but like the the path to success out of the draft last season was to go early closers, early in the corner in the outfield, 
and then wait on middle infield and 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 bang those middle rounds with shortstop second and and middle like that's that seems like what was the most successful thing just thinking back to our last few episodes and yeah i don't know these boards kind of do can highlight that and you can see pretty clearly where the value was and and was not so um again just hoping this is a a useful exercise it certainly is selfishly for me and i'm sure yeah. for you um yep. as well so that definitely is before we go to listener questions we'll go to our final talks here on closers relievers here yeah. uh who were uh what was the good and bad for targeted wide for you um the good was kenley jansen really i had a lot of kenley jansen and that worked out really well just thought he'd be stable in the role um that would that he was my most target i had some romano as well so that worked out uh well so yeah a lot of jordan romano for me so that's uh that's one I'll, I'll take take to the grave on that one. And then if I have to say a bad one, I was a believer in Mark Melanson's value, so that was foolish of me. Um, biggest regret not drafting. All right, um, this one this one's easy. So I I, re- I remember this succinctly. Main event night before opening day. Didn't have a closer after the first six rounds. So there was my problem, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> um, took took Andrew Kittredge in the seventh. So that was brutal. One pick before Taylor Rogers. So it was a nervous Ooh. night pick. Like, yeah, Taylor Rogers went. And then um, and then I took Kittredge in the seventh. And then I doubled down and made it even worse. And I took Matt Barnes in the ninth. And that's why, despite some really good hits on my main event team, I was scrambling for saves all year and finished, I think, seventh in the main. Um, just because I was I was burning through fab trying to make up for that. Just could not and obviously did not hit on the on the Helsey Bautista. But that that will stick with me for a while. Um going Kittredge, Matt Barnes in the main. That's a that that would fall under the regret category. Yeah, easy. yeah. I have a feeling Ryan will be taking an early closer this year, folks. I think uh, we've established yes. that. Read, read between those lines. Yes. <laughs> I think we've established will. that one. Um, yeah, for me, I guess my biggest regret, and it seems simple, but I only had one share of Emmanuel Clase on all of my teams. I had zero Edwin mm-hmm. Diaz. I was just Same. kind of Same. passing on both both of them and just kind of waiting. Like It worked out because I was big on Romano and some others, but uh, those ratios, man. Class AMD is that's that's game changing. So nothing. Bad. I also did you have did you end up with any where were you on the hater Hendricks debate? Because I was all hater. I didn't have any. If I had to pick one, I was picking Hendricks. Okay. That was me. But I'm like, I guess I'm biased towards Hendricks because he helped me win a ton of stuff a couple years ago when he took over the A's gig and I got him mm-hmm. on the wire like a week early. So it's one of those things we always say we shouldn't do, but I definitely have a bias towards Liam Hendricks. Like if I have to pick between the two, I've wrote I've I've ridden with that boy and he's helped me a lot. So I got that. I got that in my back pocket. All right. Listener question time. You guys come through like always. It's beautiful to see here, even in this time of the year. So we fully appreciate it. Uh, Larry Cardosa asks, who do you guys think the Giants will sign in free agency? There's a lot of judge speculation, but I'd love to see them add a guy like Swanson too. Thanks guys. Yeah. I'll I'll defer to you on that one. (laughs) I feel that feeling. There is a lot of judge talk. Um, I personally hope they don't sign Aaron judge. Because they're going to give him a long-term deal, whoever does, and he's been healthy for one season. So prove me wrong, Aaron Judge. Honestly, I don't know what they're doing. They're like another year away from having all their prospects up and talking to James Anderson at the Home Run Derby. He 
gave me the bad news I was kind of expecting. That I remember this, that, yeah. That that elite farm system that they that everyone said they had a couple years ago is starting to dwindle, and I was figured as much, but he clarified that for me. And um, so we'll see. They have a lot of money coming out the books this year and next year. Uh, so I don't know how Farhan will do it, but the pitching staff's pretty much all gone again. So they're gonna have to figure out something and figure it out quick. Uh, Jock Th- Jock Thompson says. Psst, Ryan Presley, so he's got you baseball forecast. Yeah, I'm not sure if that was a question or, or what. Or a comment. You know, I'll, I'll take it though, because Ryan Presley is he's my man. Yes, he is. Uh, Shelly V says, Does any of the Blue Jays rumors of trading from their catcher depth move you off Kirk Jansen Moreno? They should have traded last year with the depth they have. What do you think? I th- it feels like if they trade at least Kirk, he's playing somewhere. Yeah, and that's the thing that that's kind of my main takeaway. I think for any of them, really. Um, to, to answer Shelly's question, like the threat of a trade, like, yeah, it would kind of suck in terms of whoever gets traded is not. And I think one of the three will get traded. I think one of the three almost has to get traded um, from a lineup standpoint. Like it kind of sucks to not be hitting in Toronto, but that's for me, that's secondary. Um, I'm, I'm not too worried about a trade, even though I'm, I'm pretty sure it will happen for one of the, th- the three. I hope it's Moreno who's dealt. I just think Toronto's at a at a point where right now where they have catcher depth. Their window is now. They could absolutely get um, some really nice pieces in exchange for Moreno, who they don't really need on their 2023 roster. Like there's some there's some issues there in redraft leagues and in the short term. Um, so if I was running the Blue Jays, I would I would deal Moreno and 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 keep the other two again if i had to rank them i i would definitely at the at the draft price take kenley jansen all day uh, wait on jansen and take him over alejandra kirk and i wouldn't be so surprised if if jansen outperforms kirk um even without the discount I, i'm waiting. just a big jansen fan been waiting for a full jansen season for a couple of years he always seems to get hurt just enough to like derail things with that talent he's proven it it's legit so We'll see how that one plays off for sure. Uh, Todd Berlinick says Melendez seems way low to me. He's low because he wasn't drafted. <laughs> that's what it was. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. And that's, I think he's talking about, because um, I put the board out, I, I believe, I don't want to speak for him, but I believe he was thinking this was 2023 ADP and, and yeah. Chad Young of Pitcher List as well. Kind of okay. thought that too. We, we are, it is kind of like, transitioning time is happening yeah yeah like when we say adp now even though even though it's still early mid-november i think we assume 2023 at this point we're we're a little slow we're still we're still recapping 2022 but still we got plenty, plenty of time for 2023 plenty of time yes so it's yes. coming uh, our buddy rob dph or the dead pull hitter has two questions taylor rogers landing spot and percentage of role 50 50 70 30 etc that's a great question. I don't know. Those, I don't know. I don't know the landing spot yet, but I think it'd probably be a 50 50 type thing. Kind of maybe leaving less, maybe a setup man. Maybe he, he could easily come back to Milwaukee and set up for the greatest closer in baseball. So that is, De- I'm getting a Devin Williams jersey, by the way. It's happening. It's happening. After all the talk I got from that group, well, that chat, it's happening. Devin Williams' path to saves did open up now that uh, Milwaukee let go of Brad Boxberger. So I, I guess. <laughs> I guess you're right. Um, I don't. To Rob's question, like ah, I'd be lying if I sat here and said, "Oh yeah, fifty fifty. I, I don't know. Um, Taylor Rogers is going two eighty overall. 
right now in early DCs. Like that feels from a from a opportunity cost standpoint, that feels like a shot I'd be willing to take, yep. even if he only did get like half his saves. Um, it's obviously a wait and see thing that ADP is obviously a hedge. It's either that ADP is either going to go from 281 to like 120, or it's going to go from 281 to just undrafted. So the beauty of early drafting. It, it, it's very interesting to see. Cause like if he goes to say a Miami, a Kansas city, a Detroit, uh, some of those teams where you could see him taking over like a heavier role. Yeah. Okay. Detroit would make sense. Yeah. Like there's, there's options out there, but then there's also those teams like, why wouldn't a team like Milwaukee bring in a lefty guy that can pitch late in the innings? Why doesn't like there, there's so many different angles to go with a guy like Taylor Rogers who's proven he can do it, but also has proven some hiccups at times. So it, it there's a lot of places he could go and um, depends if he wants money or wants to try to get a ring at this point yeah. in time. That'll be the the fun part for him. The last thing I'll just add, Taylor Rogers, like and and front offices are smart enough to know this. Um, Six sixteen ERA in the second half, like really ugly. Yeah, skills were just as good as the first half. Uh, what's that? What's, at what's at that HQ, saying? it's uh, yeah. At That's HQ, good. it's a three twenty six expected ERA. Um, skills were perfectly fine, and so I would I would not discount that bad bad second half on the surface, and and think he's not going to be uh or can't handle the role again. Hey, Chicago Cubs, call him up. Let's go. Um, Preferred catcher approach in twelve team and fifteen team leagues of strategy defers why. I think I want. I don't want to speak for you, but I'm at least getting one early again. I'll say that much. Um, I like the idea of getting two if you can make it work because it just drops off so incredibly bad. But I want one for sure, and then maybe I'll play the streaming games as I talked it up so much. Maybe I should put my money where my mouth is. But um, I guess the depth this year also. Like when we look at this chart next year, might be a lot different. So there's ways to look around, but at least one big one early. Yeah, the depth is really interesting at catcher because, and again, we talked about this on the pod last week with those 10 in the, in the top 150. I almost think of like two sub-tiers. You've got Rimuto, Varsho, Will Smith, like I, and, and Sal Perez kind of in that top, top tier of catchers. I think from just from like a roster construction standpoint, I, I'm willing to, to go there on JTR and Varsho just to get those steals. Will Smith's going to be tough for me to draft just because he doesn't get those steals. Um and at least from what I've seen, like you kind of need to get those early. Uh, well, there there are all kinds of, not theories, but there are, are all kinds of ideas as to what stolen bases will look like next year. The big takeaway that I got out of first pitch Arizona is we don't know. Yeah. <laughs> if anyone says what's going to happen with stolen base landscape next year, what the distribution of steals is going to be, um, they don't really know either. Yeah. But to get back to like Rob's question, I think the shallower the league, the longer you wait. At catcher, um, in one catcher leagues, which I know Rob doesn't play, but the listeners out there in, in one catcher leagues, I would just, punt. I would punt the the whole position. Yeah, pretty I much. Always, I always just punt, take these left. Yeah. I always punt one catcher leagues. That's just like a standard of mine. There's tons. Of, imagine the streaming options you had in those leagues. My yeah. goodness, you could have all kinds of fun. Uh, I mentioned earlier the doc, Mike Carter, Aroldis Chapman. Where does he go? Will he close again? That's tough. Because it's not just his arm. There's a lot going on between those ears. What team's going to trust that? The Cubs? Probably not the Yankees. The no. way things, uh, the way things ended in the Bronx. I almost like, and again, this is pure speculation. Like, would a role this Chapman even sign somewhere if he was not the closer? 
I don't know. Yeah, he's got quite the ego. That's one hundred percent correct. Like, I feel like he's either going to go somewhere and be the closer, Colorado, put or him just not be in baseball. Colorado, they did just extend. They did Bard. pay Daniel Bard. Yeah. Um, I feel like it's more likely a team takes a shot on Chapman. Yep. We've seen, and not to get too far out of the non-baseball stuff, your opinions on this, like as if Chapman as a person, like not a good dude. Yep. Baseball teams at this point are willing to overlook. I mean, Marcelo Zuna was yep. actively playing in the second half for the Braves. Um, I, I know different things, you know, whatever. Um, but I think, that's not going to hold back Aroldis Chapman from signing somewhere. I, I feel like it's more likely or not he signs with the team. I also feel it's very likely if he signs, it will only be as a closer. Anaheim, come on down. That's the one I wouldn't be shocked about, but yeah. we'll see. Uh, last question we have here from our buddy Lil Book of Calm. I might be too late, but how much do you trust saves and or hold numbers in projection systems like Steamer? I'm building in an evaluation tool, Z-scoring, and then summing fantasy categories to generate dollar values, but I don't know how much to trust projected saves, uh, projected systems like Steamer versus generating my own relief pitcher tiers based on skills and opportunity. I'm not the biggest expert at this stuff. Ryan's much smarter at it than me, but I would trust skills and opportunity when it comes to almost all pitching categories because uh, at the projection systems because those are just tough. I like projection systems much more for hitting than pitching. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Yep. Full agree. And a quick, <laughs> I put a tweet out of the steamer projections came out this week and I, did you have that go? How'd that go for you? Something out there about like, <laughs> I don't know, the top 10 ERA risers and followers from 2022. And it just turned into like, I did not intend for this at all. Steamer is, is a, it, you know, projections are hard. It turned into just everyone dumping. You, on, you would have thought Steamer. you were talking about a mask or something. Yeah. It did not. <laughs> yeah. That did not turn out as, as planned. To go back to the original question, I too, so my general draft process, I do lean on projection systems like Steamer for hitters. I just feel like the ability, especially for hitter skills, um, that's a lot more, I think, stable um, and and projectable. And I think I'm wasting my time if I'm trying to get that edge on hitter skills. To the question of would I use a projection system for relievers? I would not really at all for two things. Um, relievers, the, just the samples, you're looking at 60 inning seasons and so much, there's so much volatility. There's so much variance, no matter how good you are. Uh, we talked about it with Hader where two bad outings just totally wrecked his ERA. That, that stuff's impossible to predict. The other thing that's impossible for, I shouldn't say impossible, very hard for an algorithm to detect and predict are spring training tidbits on who's going to get the role and, 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 and who's sharing a role and all that stuff and reading between the lines of manager quotes, that's where you need to put the work in, or you need to subscribe to a site like reliever recon that does that work for you. Um, because I don't personally think a projection system can handle that. And so to go, kind of go back to the original question is like, I don't even, I have a total in my, in my process and my ranks, I have a totally separate sheet for relievers. I don't even put them in my little projections, but in SGP and all that, because A, it's so hard to predict, and B, it's just so fluid. It's an art form. So um, I, I do not lean on projections really at all for closers. Yeah. If uh, for closers, no, starting pitchers, I hinted that we'll talk about them next week, but you can use them a little bit 
to an extent, but I don't love it. But yeah, relievers, not a chance. Um, use skills, not roles. I believe someone said at one point in time, um, and that 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 goes very well for relief pitching. And that uh, you'll find and that's where reliever recon and those guys come in, in handy for sure, because they will find those guys with the skills that might eventually get the role that you're looking for, and you can get them for much cheaper. So it's Felix tricky. Bautista. Yep, Felix Bautista, Devin Williams. Um, I'm going to mention him a lot, so don't you worry about that, folks. You, you already have many. Times. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to make Ryan want to quit the podcast. But the times I mentioned Devin Williams this season, uh, I swear if he gets injured early on, I'm going to be so sick. But um, we'll see how that goes. But final thoughts, Ryan. We wrapped up the CNC episode, catchers and closers. No fun episode. I think we touched on a lot. Um, one more to go. We'll do starting pitchers next week and then it'll be like thanksgiving week it'll be forecaster release week say, you know what comes that. out that week yep. yeah yeah so we action. are uh we might have a special episode that week i talked to you about it at the bar we might work on that we are um yeah we're 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 going all out right now um getting the forecaster out the door so it'll be there i think we're gonna hit that thanksgiving deadline it's always awesome to get that out to folks who want to avoid family and read the forecaster on thanksgiving day Yep, music to my ears. No, I'm just kidding. Um, you make sure you guys check out Ryan on Twitter at Ryan VHQ and his written content at Baseball HQ, which will be coming out before you know it. Once the you know he, he's done with all the forecasting and all that fun stuff, I am on Twitter at BDN Trick. We got a lot of fun stuff coming up for you in the coming weeks, but more importantly, enjoy the break, folks. 2023 ADP is out there, but enjoy the break. We'll be back with you guys next week. Catch you all later. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.